the heart of Shaja. This is Pulse 95. Pulse 95 Live From cover to cover At the Sharjah International Book Fair Yes, you're listening to our special coverage of the Sharjah International Book Fair And I mean, who doesn't love comic books? We've grown up looking through the bookstores (laughs) At different imagery that we happen to come across Whenever we take a hold of a comic book And that's exactly why we have with us in the studio An American-born comic author and educator Eben Bergen. He's been writing comic books independently for over a decade and he definitely comes from a background in f- short fiction and sketch comedy. He has many works in comics such as Eben 07, B Squad, and he has worked with nonprofits, comic book conventions, and different spaces that help promote the joy of creating comics and educating writers of all ages. Thank you so much, Eben, for joining us today. No problem. He's drawn right now. I know. Yeah. Like a little merge of Sharjah and Pulse 95 and you can head to our Instagram page to see it. (laughs) So how has the Sharjah International Book Fair been treating you? Oh, uh, this is unreal. It's amazing. Uh, I've never been seen anything quite like this and the hunger for just books period is amazing. (laughs) (laughs) And you've been given workshops uh, for kids here at the book fair. Can you tell us more about what you've been doing in that regard? Uh, We've been making little mini comics. So uh, we did everything from like using uh, Lego minifigs to like kind of learn about how to design a compelling character and how they would fit inside of a story Mm. to making little tiny short comics that um, people will love. Like uh, they, it's a, comes from a random idea and then Hopefully they can kind of extrapolate it out into a simple story. What makes a compelling character? Uh, Well, I try to break it down into like the different types of characters. So everybody is familiar with like a hero. Yeah. But then some people aren't so familiar with like allies and mentors and friends. And there's a whole Joseph Campbell kind of (laughs) mythos that breaks down like what the shadow does too. And how they're the opposite of the character because they cast a big shadow. Now, much of your writing tends to follow a theme of parody, of pop culture. Oh, yeah. Uh, What sparked that idea and your love for creating uh, that form of comic books? Well, I I mean, I think when you uh, go about the world as kind of a creative thing, the things that you uh, enjoy Mm -hmm. uh, inform your creativity a lot of times. So, I mean, I'm being inspired all the time by everything around us and... We're surrounded a lot by pop culture, too, (laughs) and so always kind of like twisting that DNA a little bit uh, so that it's kind of fun Mm -hmm. uh, is something I really like to do. Um, And also when we're looking at your different works, in your book, B-Squad, you usually tend to start with a bunch of characters and then you kill one off (laughs) every (laughs) single issue. Yeah. And I mean, thinking about it, it must be quite challenging coming up with new characters that rise to that certain level of goofiness that you're looking Uh, for. Um, so how do you do that? Are they based on people you know? So has that gotten you into trouble or are they <laughs> imaginary? Um, they're, they're mostly imaginary. I don't think I've ever really gotten into trouble other than maybe like a fan being like, oh no, my favorite's <laughs> gone. But they're all my favorites at the same time. I plot them all out for many, many, many uh, adventures and sometimes they don't finish their arc. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, the goal is really, uh, I make them sort of like parts of an engine. So... 
I have a system where uh, I can pull apart if a part of the engine breaks and it's gone. <laughs> I can replace them with a new exciting part, and that's kind of how I've designed it. For B-Squad, you got half a dozen artists working on it. What's mm -hmm. it like collaborating with different people on a project? Well, I have a motto that's collaborate or perish. I think we're all in this world together in a lot of ways, and um, that's really been the goal. Uh, my goal with B-Squad has always been to try to use it as a platform for underdiscovered artists to get their first paid job in comics and help them kind of get that stepping stone so that they can push forward in their career. And I've already seen a ton of like really young, wonderful art here in uh, Sharjah. Uh, at the fair and I'm already kind of like noodling on how can I get some of these like young women to that want to make cartoons give them an opportunity to like actually make a comic and have a credit so that yeah. they can move their career forward. And how do you describe B-Squad to the listeners? Uh, uh, <laughs> it's sort of like uh, Suicide Squad, only funny and better. Ooh, <laughs> oh, there we I go. like the confidence. <laughs> the, the other interesting thing about B-Squad is it was crowdsourced on Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. Um, that must come with a set of challenges because I've noticed when it comes to Kickstarter projects, people who fund those projects tend to be, let's say, demanding and entitled <laughs> to a certain result. And if things don't go the way they were initially described by the people who created the, the crowdfunding campaign, they tend to be a bit angry. Is that sure. something you've come to terms with or, or uh, dealt with? I've never had to deal with that. I've always made my made my do uh, happen. I've actually really experienced the opposite, which is really more like a sense of love, and they want to like encourage you to kind of make the book, and they're willing to be excited about it and put a little money. I mean, things go wrong in any kind of creative project, like. You can get delays and hiccups, and I've always found people, as long as you're honest with them mm -hmm. and upfront, and you're not trying to hide anything, yeah. um, they'll be like, oh, this is cool. <laughs> like, it's fine that it's got a little delay. Like, it's good that you're making this work happen, and they want to watch. They want to participate. Um, so the more that you can do that, the better. And the beautiful thing about that is, like, without kickstarting that project, um, I would never have found the publisher that wanted mm. to make it, too. So now the people that make Rick and Morty and Community and... That animation studio has taken notice of B-Squad and they're releasing it all over again um, and we're making new episodes. So mm. it's really exciting. Uh, you know, you've spoken a little bit about young women and kids and you've definitely been around many of them through yeah. your workshops. So has being around kids affected the way you make comics? Uh... Not totally. Mm -hmm. I, I would say, like, I still have, I think, the resolve to make the thing I want to make. Mm -hmm. But I think the biggest challenge with working with a lot of people is um, those folks that need their candle relit, their creative spark to, like, be reignited. And sometimes you kind of have to lend a little bit more creative spark to them. And that may flicker your candle yeah. a little bit sometimes. <laughs> but um, I've never... It's it's so uh, it's exhausting, but at the same time, uh, in, inspiring and, and just reinvigorating about the medium in a whole other way that mm -hmm. uh, I wouldn't trade for a thing. Like it's fantastic. Definitely, and you know, you came across our studio with some shaping tape, and shaping <laughs> tape um, into sculptural forms is very similar to three D printing, but yes. using your own fingers. Yeah. And uh, I was wondering, what can sculpting tape actually help teach us as adults or even children when it comes to storytelling? Well, I, I, I think that's another thing I've, I've been doing for quite a while is making random objects out of tape and sculptures out of tape uh, all over the world. And uh, the thing that that's also taught me as well as cartooning 
is that there is a fundamental language and appreciation of art mm -hmm. and that if you even if you don't speak the language of the land if you can connect with somebody on an art level you speak the same language that's human connection that's the basis for all of us wanting to exist and and share like the first cave paintings on the <laughs> wall was probably some parent going yep. like how was your day well let me draw you a doodle <laughs> and i'll figure it out and then that's connecting speaking of appreciation of the art you or something i read about you is that you've been trying to pushing for schools to treat comics as literature yeah mm. could you tell us more about that uh well i mean i've i've noticed there's a big part of comics are that they're there's pictures and mm. some people don't really feel like a picture uh, is a word or can communicate something and, or they've forgotten how comics taught them how to read um, or that because the superhero tends to suck a lot of the energy they forget that comics are a medium mm. they're full of storytelling of all kinds and you can um, really find anything you want. Uh, comics are for everybody. Everybody can enjoy them and that's something that's kind of missing with this literature component is the appreciation of them as that kind of art form, as literature, and even having that kind of crit criticism and academic study where we look at them. I mean, some of the best-selling books in the world are comics. True. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, speaking of using your tape, you've said and mentioned that you've created a lot of different sculptures with them. I mean, just looking <laughs> at your different work, it's just amazing. Uh, but what is the best work to you, according to you, that you've loved uh, to create using the shaping tape? Oh, man. Take us um, down memory lane. <laughs> I think sometimes there's some really exceptional pieces that I've made over the years. Um, but I think probably my favorite right now is that I made a, a unicorn uh, in solidarity with a woman that was going through um, a really tragic experience in... Uh, the United States mm -hmm. and I wanted to show that I believed her and that I believed her story uh, and so I made a unicorn to make sure that uh, she understood that I was on her side of the issue and that the others were not um, welcome in my life anymore so it's really standing up for somebody else and saying that it's important to uh, believe people is is really good it is uh, uh, pretty important and very beautiful words there. What we'll do is take a bit of a short break, and uh, when we come back, we're, we'll speak to Eben Burgoon all about the shift in how comics get told. Stay tuned to Pulse 95. 95. This is Pulse 95. It's a story. Pulse 95 Live, from cover to cover, at the Sharjah International Book Fair. Good evening, welcome back to From Cover to Cover. We are delighted to have with us in the studio Eben Burgoon, uh, the American uh, comic book artist. Uh, and he's right now still drawing <laughs> a, a, a drawing with Sharjah Pulse 95. It's looking fantastic so far. So Eben, um, I'm interested in talking to you about the way and the shift in which stories and comic books um, have undergone. And looking at the cover of B-Squad, we're looking at a diverse set of characters, we're seeing women, we're seeing people from all walks of life. Is this something that we've been seeing more and more of? And is this a, a deliberate choice on your part to um, expand representation? Uh, definitely. It's definitely... Um 
a big part of the B Squad thing was to. Um, I mean, at, at first I started with six characters that were my first ideas, um, and then it became really important, uh, in my opinion, to make the squad have a. Um, the characters are always designed to be able to be either either gender. So, for instance, there's a cat lady who can use her cats as living weapons. Yeah. Had at the time she needed to be a, a, a male to make the squad half women and half men, mm-hmm. it would have been a cat lord, and mm-hmm. he would have used cats as living weapons. Um, and trying that—that's a very simple like example of it. But uh, all of them have really been um, about trying to. I like to try to explore the world through my comics. Um, I always set them. I grew up reading Tintin and loving to like kind of in National Geographic's and escaping into some other part of the world. And now that I'm actually getting to do that in real life is yeah. like <laughs> crazy. I'm sure at some point there's going to be a Sharsha B Squad adventure. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I really. Uh, that's it's really important I think to have representation in comics and mediums where um, you, you can have different experiences like yeah. again art's all about human connection and if you don't share all of the different parts of humanity then we don't really get a real look at what that is and one of the conversations that a lot of authors have been having within the book fair is with regards to the environment that we're in uh, there are people on both sides of the aisle some are saying that they live in a climate where they're afraid to express themselves truly and I think within the comic book industry, there's that conversation happening at the same time. Are your peers complaining that they feel like right now they have to adhere to certain norms and uh, they have to try to appease people? Or what, what's your what's your take I, to that? I, I don't. I don't really get the sense that it's at least in the states that it, it's a attitude of. Um, having to conform it's it's more the reverse that mm-hmm. I think that there are people who tend to have more bigoted views that are kind of concerned that they're losing part of their control by um, having other people be part of the thing and the, mm-hmm. and the truth is like there's more than enough room in this whole wide world for all these different kinds of voices and things mm-hmm. we don't need to um, adhere. Yeah, adhere to anything. We can all express what we want and find what's good and what what resonates with us. And and uh, as as, consu- as as people who enjoy reading, like we can we can find those voices and mm-hmm. you know enjoy them. <laughs> um, speaking of comic books, uh, a lot of people tend to think that they are a genre specific for children. Mm-hmm. However, what many tend to kind of forget about is that the main advantage of comic books comes with their size. Many of them are quite short, easy read, but I'm I'm interested to know, according to you, what are the advantages of reading a comic book or how can they help us improve our literacy? That's a great question. Uh, I think one thing that people maybe, especially as they get older, they forget the, how much they enjoyed reading comic books because at some point they got told like, hey, you know, you need to do your homework and read the yeah. chapter book yeah. instead <laughs> of like these picture books. <laughs> And they get kind of relegated into this kind of weird space. But the truth is there's many, many, many creators out there that are making books specifically that are very adult-themed uh, stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, in my opinion, I really think comic books are for everybody. And the medium actually does a lot of, to challenge you visually. Um, I'm fond of saying in workshops how if you watch Star Wars the movie, that's 400,000 images, right? Yes. 
if you're gonna do Star Wars the comic book, <laughs> you might get like 2,000 of those to tell the same story and your mind is filling in all those different things in what they call the gutters, the things between the pictures to kind of make sure that they understand what's going on. And that's that choice of, of moment um, is really, really, really tricky Definitely. as a writer to, to kind of keep on top of. And I mean, you give a lot of workshops about comic books and mm -hmm. how to draw them. So if you could give us three tips on uh -huh. the most important tips that we need to know so that we can draw our very own comic book, what would they be? Uh, my first one is that blankness is not something to be afraid of, like uh, filling a page no matter what skill level you're at. Um, don't be afraid of stick figures. You know, you can oh, do whatever for me. <laughs> you, do, you do whatever you need to do to get your story out of your head. You have to write things down. So I guess that's tip one. Um, another tip that I, I think is one of my greatest takeaways to improve people's readability is to write your words, your speech before you make your bubbles. Um, it will make your comic books so much cleaner and easier for other people to read and ultimately you probably want to share your comic with somebody else. So if you write your write your speech and your dialogue, sometimes even before you draw the picture, it'll help you make sense about your composition. I never thought of that. Yeah, it's a really important little tip. <laughs> um, and lastly, there's really no such thing as a bad idea. Um, ideas are like little seeds and it's all on how you kind of grow it and groom it after it sprouts. So you have to let it sprout and then you manicure it and then hopefully you see it go into a place that is uniquely you. I love that. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Uh, <laughs> Evan, I like, I like it's amazing. Uh, you got your start in uh, web comics. You got yes. Evan 07. Yeah. Can you tell us more about that? Uh, that was a comic I did with my colleague Dan Bethel about the janitors that clean up after James Bond. Yeah. Uh, it's still all for free on our website. Um, and it was a very silly comic, and it was really how we learned to make comics together. Um, we wanted to make a cartoon show, and we were like, mm, that's going to cost way too much money. And so we tried to jump into the medium, and that was like, I think, 2007? Wow, okay. It was a while ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so yeah, that was that was that like, and it was really really fun. Um, well, what's that about the, the medium itself, web comics, that made it? Well, that's the thing that's really great. So you know, if there's somebody out there that's like, I don't have a publisher and I don't have this thing, well, you know, learn how to make comics online, share it with other people, and that's the advice I've been giving to a lot of these cartoonists that are definitely cartoonists that are showing up and being like, look at my sketchbook. <laughs> it's like, well, make a story, make a story, put it out online, show them what you're doing. Um, don't be afraid if somebody steals it or tries to True. steal it like you just need to get there's there's ways to deal with that problem if it comes up don't hide your 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 yourself you know like get it out there if you really want to be a storyteller and starting out how did you get that voice that 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 is yours what <laughs> did, did, what, what sources of inspiration did you have did you have influencers people encouraging you totally my i mean my wife's sitting behind us all she's definitely a huge influence on me <laughs> um she's definitely the thing i can bounce the thing she's definitely the person <laughs> I, I bounce ideas off of she's a very like good uh, sounding board um writers i loved kurt vonnegut um oh, yeah Kurt Vonnegut's a huge influence on, on I think, how I approach storytelling, as well as uh, people like Dan Harmon's uh, uh, Story Circle is how I started to kind of construct my, so that's like that Joseph Campbell mythology kind of stuff. Um, there's there's a ton. I mean, I could, like, Hirsch and Tintin, for sure. Mm -hmm. 
Could you talk more about Kurt Vonnegut because he's someone that several <laughs> people I've spoken to have also cited as an influence. Um, yeah, Kurt Vonnegut, uh, his his novels, I think, um, do a great job of telling a wonderful, wildly imaginative, humorous story that's really humanistic um, and outlandish. Uh, I don't really think it's exactly sci-fi. It's not. It's it defies genre. Like it's definitely like that. How comics defy genre too. It's it's literature, but yet somehow it's still sci-fi, and somehow it's still like poetic, and there's illustrations in there. Like it's, uh, and and then he has a lot of really really wonderful thoughts on storytelling and the design of story. One of my favorite quotes of his is about um, how you can really learn a lot about a culture just by how they tell a story. Not mm. not the content of it, but how they structure it and how they want to kind of, you know, make their story and the plot go. And um, I've always found that to be really fascinating and, 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 li- and, and largely true. <laughs> yeah. um, how we talk about, how we talk to each other um, and through storytelling is really powerful. Yeah, you definitely advised all of us to get our ideas out there and yes. you're following your own advice because you're getting out a new comic book, Tiny uh-huh. Wizards, this yeah. summer. Uh, and I heard that it's featuring french fries. It's so true. <laughs> do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, uh, the basic premise is that uh, a world, a fantasy world of wizards uh, have to you know, make that Superman choice of like their, their world is collapsing. Mm-hmm. So the most powerful wizard in the world decides to teleport them all into a new world but he does his math wrong and they all show up as six inch tall french fry sized wizards uh in a a a barren part of california where there's only fast food restaurants and if you drive around on the highways there's only fast food there's these little towns where there's only fast food restaurants and so they have to live there and try to make do uh you know there's no crops for them to grow there's no they have to just eat mcnuggets and french fries and uh, so it's kind of them dealing with their apocalypse and their Game of Thrones-like worship mm-hmm. of the different celebrity or cult of personalities of the fast food restaurants. Mm-hmm. Super yeah. silly. <laughs> it's amazing, though. I mean, Tiny Wizard's coming out this summer, so everyone should I think prob- next year. I think they we're next pushing... Next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, 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 yeah, next year for sure. Next year. So yeah. we'll, keep, we'll keep updated. But uh, if you could go back in time and give oh young Eben Bergun... <laughs> oh uh, a piece of advice when you were just starting out your very first comic book, what would you tell him? Oh, man. Uh, I, I think I would hopefully tell him just to keep trucking at it because I think a lot of times creatives have a lot of doubt. There's a, this whole thing of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. just trying to like say, hey, man, like just, just make whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And, like Also, I think it took a long time for me as a writer um, coming from a very solid like writing fiction background to believe that I can draw. Uh, and I think really trying to uh, push that on myself earlier would have been really smart. Like, don't be afraid to draw. Don't be afraid to draw. We're talking to Eben Burgoon at the Sharjah International Book Festival, Book Fair. Uh, what we'll do is take a bit of a short break. We'll be right back with more questions right here on Pulse 95. You're listening to Pulse 95. Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95 with a story to tell. Pulse 95 Live, from cover to cover. 
at the Sharjah International Book Fair. Our Pulse 95 booth definitely has become a comic book shop because we have with us in the studio the American-born comic book author and educator, Ibn Burgoon, who's just literally been changing the vibe of the studio. I mean, he's been writing comic books independently for over a decade and he comes from a background in short fiction and sketch comedy and he's been just educating writers and children's and adults of all ages about the beauty of comic books and how important they are when it comes to our literacy. And he's working on an elaborate drawing of Sharjah at the moment with our Pulse 95 <laughs> in the middle. It's looking beautiful. I know. And if you want to see it, you should head to our Instagram page at Pulse95 Radio because we've definitely posted a picture there. So, Eben, you've been at the book fair. You've been making comics with visitors, in fact. Tell us more. Yeah. Um, so uh, there's a thing that's called an eightfold zine. It's a technique to like make a very simple comic mm -hmm. out of one sheet of paper and a pair of scissors. So all you need is a little imagination, and then you can make your own comic. And usually what, what I do is I have a stack of like random ideas that I, I bring to the... We're actually going to do this at 5 today. Um, so random, a stack of random ideas, they get a little premise, and then I show them a basic pattern of storytelling, and then they apply that to the story. Um, you guys are looking at Phoenix Turkey. Yeah. Yes, Phoenix Turkey. <laughs> um, was really, really special. I made this one-on-one -on -one with a woman uh, at uh, the fair, and she, um, I, I started the story with basically this turkey being lonely, and it ends up being this turkey searching for other turkeys and not <laughs> finding any any turkeys, and she ends it really lovely by saying she finds her friends in her books. Aww. And it was so perfect for the fair, I thought. So how I brought long, it along. How long does it take you to create one comic book? One of these little ones, like you can really get the pencils down in about half an hour. Oh, and wow. we've we've really been doing that. I think we've made probably hundreds of these little books. I've shared some of my favorites on my Instagram, but we've probably made we, we I did twenty two workshops and there's usually about 10 to 20 people in the workshops every single time, let alone the other, you know, cartoonists that are there, uh, Merrick Bennett, who's, he's doing a, a very similar thing, and we're just making hundreds and hundreds of these little comics with people, and it's, it's fantastic. It is indeed. Uh, and what's your Instagram so people could come over and uh, take a look? Uh, it's my last name, uh, EY, and then Tunes. So like Looney Tunes, but Burguni Tunes. And if you find a mermaid picture, don't be alarmed. That's yeah, him. That's me. It's a little mermaid with a beard. <laughs> Evan, we, we've talked about your latest comic book series, B Squad. We've talked about your influences. Um, how personal could your comics be? I'm talking about imparting your personal experiences in, a, in your work. Do you do that quite a bit? I haven't done that as much. I mean, I definitely uh, take, I guess, little DNA mm. and then kind of flesh it out in a different way, but mm. I haven't really done a lot of journaling comics. Mm. Um, but this... I've been really inspired by my colleague Merrick, who is he is doing a really fantastic and beautiful um, and very poetic like uh, journal comic all about his experiences here and and it's it's gorgeous and I know he's going to be releasing that um, after he gets back as a little book that you can kind of check out um, so it's that's something to keep an eye on <laughs> plug for him I mean like that that it's 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 gorgeous what he's doing and um, and I think has a lot of meaning. Um, here, so yeah, yeah. I I'm sure you've had been asked this question a lot but but why do you write comics why yeah. um, the collaboration I think is became really addictive um, mm. the 
being able to kind of when you work when you write like scripts for like sketch comedy or even like for film like that's going to go off and just kind of become its own thing it's collaborative still but there's a much more intimate collaboration that happens in comics where you're working with artists you're working with colorists you're working with lettering and designers and it's much much more of a experience that's shared it doesn't have to be but i find it's better when it is and that just kind of became really addictive. Um, when you write prose or poetry or plays or screen things, it's like you're really alone and by yourself and um, it's lonely. Isolating. <laughs> yeah, and I like to be uh, with people. <laughs> and what do you hope readers get out of your comics? Oh, I'm mostly laughter. I mean, I, they're, at the end of the day, like I, I think I put a lot of like serious uh, th- theme into my own head that I will then play with it very sillily. Uh, is that a word? Sillily? <laughs> let's do it. Let's, yeah, let's make sillily. up a new word today. Um, so, uh, yeah, I play, I like to play and, uh, and I like to help people, like help people laugh or get a, get a giggle and maybe even learn something if, along the way if they can. But, um, yeah, I mean, I just want to entertain him. Um, I just want them to have a good time. You've touched on themes. Uh, what themes come to mind in, in terms of the stuff you've been working on as of late? Uh, well, with B-Squad, definitely expendability, death, um, mm. the, even just the nature of, of, of our collective humanity. Um, by telling a story where a character dies every issue, um, a, there's no central main character. The squad ends up being the main uh, character. And in my opinion, that writing that way was a narrative choice in order to try to tell mm. a story about all of us in a way um, like how things ebb and flow pun intended uh, throughout uh, how we uh, how we experience life um, you know things come and go and in and out of our lives all mm. the time and how are we gonna cope with that yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the authors we spoke to Leila Abu Shat said that the fantastical elements in her work helped her describe realities of life in a way that's more effective than any realist fiction she's done before. Mm-hmm. When it comes to comics, things are pretty exaggerated. There's a lot of violence, a lot of sometimes it's magic or superheroes or magic powers. Do you think this zaniness and wackiness in a way is sort of an effective way to describe maybe the absurdities of life or the realities we go through? Is that something you feel trying to communicate these messages? I, I think that's uh, emblematic of probably my work, but I wouldn't say that's emblematic of comics as a medium. Right. Because like you, there are way too many comics that don't do superhero things and don't do that kind of stuff. They're very... um they're very brilliant. I mean, there's there's some really wonderful books even over in the comics corner that I could point out that are that are journal comics or or even. Uh, but I I do see what you're saying. I think that the the reality too is that when things are kind of outlandish and fantastical, like even the X Men is a really great, um, I think, uh, juxtaposition of of you know a, an other versus normal society like when we have this whole group um, a lot of people compare it to like how because it was a product of the 60s of of the difference between Magneto being kind of more uh, adamant and rigid about well no they're trying to get us we need to fight back whereas Professor X was like no no we need to like stand up and be strong and together we're all in this world together like we can we can work together so 
uh, and that was all kind of a real exploration of I think the American political landscape of 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 of, of the rise in the civil rights movement, and 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 I think an expression of that in a lot of ways too. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, I think again, like it's something really serious, really important that we're talking about, but you're able to kind of distill it down to these fantastical elements so that we can kind of explore. I mean, I really think a lot of ways all art is kind of political in those those ways because we're surrounded by that all the time. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I mean, when we talk about authors, especially comic books, every one of us starts at some point. So when did you start writing your very <laughs> first comic book? I have a really vague recollection of being <laughs> in like sixth grade and making some really goofy comics with some of my friends. Uh, like we made some parodies of like, Wayne's World and we were really into like skateboarding and there was like I think we made like a Terminator 2 like parody (laughs) comic at some point I don't have any of those things and I I wish I was more of a pack rat like and I kept those things but uh, I don't have any of that stuff I wish I did because I'd love to see it and that's why I hope like you know all these kids that I'm working with I hope that they take and cherish these little things they make and they they play with them and they keep making more and I, I know there's some of them that are absolutely going to do that but um, it's maybe some more of the reluctant ones that I mm-hmm. hope like keep their keep their little creative minds on fire and excited <laughs> <laughs> and uh, let's talk about some of your hobbies uh, we've read that you're into board games oh yeah role-playing games yep does that uh, influence your comic books oh totally without a doubt I mean I think B squad was partially born out of playing a lot of role-playing games and you know you constantly make make up new characters and that was always some of my favorite part of it was like making up the new character um even with tiny wizards i think you know i i love D and and those kinds of things so they're they're fun they're just fun way to socialize with friends and it's also lightly like improv so i loved improv comedy when i did it um and you know you're constantly making up stories like on the spot and reacting and reacting um acting and reacting to what your players are doing so i love leading those kinds of games and uh they're really socially fun and what's next for you what's next uh oh my gosh i think next year (laughs) i'm hoping that i'm hoping that i get to go see more of the world of course uh i want to get my next books done like that's really the biggest thing i think um I want to see my wiener dogs when I get home, <laughs> too. Um, particularly my one Sherman. Sherman's awesome. <laughs> it's a little blind wiener dog. It's really cute. So from children who are looking for comic books to help them improve their reading skills to adults who use comic books to help them read between the lines and interpret better, you definitely even gave us a very quick <laughs> uh, background about comic books and how beneficial they could be. But coming up next, we have a lot more in store right here from cover to cover, only on Pulse 95. This is Pulse 95. Ha, ja, ja. 